Hi, this is Beth Botts from the Morton Arboretum. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Hi, this is Richard Levine with the Entomological Society of America. This week we're in Indianapolis, Indiana for ESA's 57th annual meeting. Over 2,500 insect scientists will come this week and discuss their research. During the time, some student volunteers and I are going to go around and talk to some people about the lighter side of entomology, and we're going to try and gather some insect jokes and discuss insect humor. Hi, Holly. Do you have any insect jokes? Yeah. An entomologist is eating dinner with his family when a beetle runs across the table and he yells out, Quick, grab it! <laughs> That's actually pretty good. <laughs> What is a dung beetle's best pickup line? What? <laughs> Pardon me, is this stool taking? Uh, what do you call a female moth? What? A myth. <laughs> you know what kind of a doctor you need if you get butterflies in your stomach? What kind? A gastroentomologist. From a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 20 years and counting as Chicago's go-to deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Sunday morning on Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome. At 847. A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877 711 5611. Now back to American Radio Broadcast. On Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. And here they are. She's lean and he's green. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are in the Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Having hear. headset problems there? Uh, yeah, I can't hear myself. Okay. Well, that's okay. The top of my head's chopped off on All Facebook. Right. So there we good. go. Now I can hear myself. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> and I was going to give a big welcome to Ben Boquist. But now we... Uh, sure, I will anyway. Ben Boquist is here. No need. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> Take a bow. Uh, and Ellie, of course, in the studio. And Ellie, I don't know that uh, Russian guy's back. You better tell your mom. Is your mom listening to the show? If Do you think she's listening? You have no idea. Uh, her mom, uh, oh, never mind. Uh, and, and I'm glad she listens. Uh, so we're, we're happy that uh, she's part of our audience. And uh, wow, uh, we've got a great show today. We're going to go back in time with some folks that I have been entertaining on this program, meaning having on the program, bringing to the show for a long time. One of them is sitting right there in the studio. Uh, this is even the chance you can hold up. Oh, go ahead. Hold up the poster, Lori. Lori Lewis. Okay. Now, uh, there we go. That's pretty good. That's pretty. All right. Peggy's going to. Yeah, oh, perfect. Look at that. The uh, 50th Annual Sheffield Music Festival and Garden Walk. And uh, they call it uh, Chicago's. 
best best summer festival best summer best festival summer festival an uh, amazing and lineup of music and and everything. and and yeah and kids events and architectural tours and garden tours and craft beer and wine fest of course so and he knows because he's one of the honchos behind it um, and Lori's been coming on this program for a long time. And basically, once a year, I drag him into the studio. I say, let's talk about that. But really, it's uh, a ruse <laughs> to get him to talk gardening, to just answer garden questions. Because Lori is a master gardener. At one time, he was the Chicago Gardener of the Year. They don't even do that. You know, that's okay. Lori, you know that Peggy and I have put together Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Yes. This is our second year, and you won an award last I year for that. I won an award last year, and I'm going to help you judge this year. I, and we love that. I need to talk to you about it before <laughs> we get out of here. We, but, we've locked the door, so you can't get out. That's right. You can, cannot do that. Uh, so you know that uh, we're a new deal, and maybe we will have a Gardener of the Year. It's Right now, It's and we got a... But we got almost a hundred gardens entered this year, so uh, we have to go out and judge them, and that requires a lot of legwork and experts like Lori who can take a look at it. And we're focusing on sustainability, that kind of thing. So we're very, very pleased to be doing that, and it starts to happen this week. Uh, not the the actual judging, but the the wind up to, to the actual <laughs> judging because you got logistics uh, have to all get in order before that happens. So Laurie Lewis is here, Master Gardener. We're going to talk your garden questions at 877-711-5611. We're going to talk about the Sheffield Music Festival and Garden Walk, 50th annual. Let's give that another ding. And uh, that's an achievement in itself. And Laurie, you mentioned that you've been working on that. You have your own um, anniversary. You've been working on it for 20 years. Absolutely. This is my 20th year. And uh, I started out as a person just taking donations at the gate. <laughs> uh, wow. And look where I am now. Really? Co-chairman. Uh, that's amazing. And you you should know, Lori, as you probably imagine, he has his own design firm, garden design firm. His own yard is gorgeous. He does a lot of the – or a, a number of the parks in the Sheffield area – uh, which is why uh, it's so beautiful over there. And we're going to talk about all of that, uh, maybe some tips on what you should be putting in your containers, what you should be putting in the ground. Um, again, 877-711-5611. You can also contact us on Facebook, The Mike Novak Show, or go to Twitter, at Mike Now, or The Mike Novak Show on Instagram. We got all of it. We'll be right back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malucky. From boat to doorstep. You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. The folks at the Midwest Pond and Koi Society want you to show up in their backyards. Well, you have to sign up and there's a small fee, but you can see some of the best gardens, ponds, and koi in Chicagoland on July 21st, 22nd, 28th, and 29th on the annual Garden and Pond Tour. It's self-guided and you can go on any day or on all of them. Tour maps at mpks.org and at garden centers and businesses throughout the region. That's mpks.org. 
Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Tune in to Chicago History and Automotive Heaven, Sundays at 12 noon with Richie Z, right here on WCGO AM 1590. All right, now the reason we're playing that is because uh, we're talking to Lori Lewis here from the 50th annual. Sheffield Music Festival and Garden Walk, and uh, they have a lot of entertainment uh, each year. And this year, doing a lot of retro stuff, aren't you? That is correct, both in the original bands, or most of the members are original. They tend to be a little older, but their voices (laughs) never change. (laughs) And the songs still sound great. Uh, And that, that group, the Shadows of Night, which... I was doing some research on some of these old groups. Now, the ones we'll be featuring uh, have Chicago uh, origins, uh, and it's amazing how many uh, Chicago origins are out there. And 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 you look at the Wikipedia entries for these groups, or you go to their websites, and you realize that Chicago had its own rock and roll top forty. You because between WCFL and WLS. Super CFL. Super CFL. And they would go back and forth. And you could have a local hit here that wouldn't get national for, uh, for a while. Uh, or maybe never. Uh, we played Lakeshore Drive last uh, week. Um, and the Shadows of Night did Gloria. Apparently Van Morrison had done it. And then he had words in it that were bad. And at the time, when you look at the words that were bad, and I think it was something along the lines of, she came to my house at night. And it's like, no, we can't play that on AM radio. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, so then the, the shadows of night did a version of it and became a big hit. Right. Right. That's, uh, what's also interesting is that if you go to social events, weddings and so forth, and it doesn't matter whether the, uh, the crowd are in their twenties or thirties or forties or fifties, whether they have a DJ or a band, you will still hear music that's 50 and 60 years old. And somehow people know how to dance to that music. (laughs) (laughs) And they know the words. And it still sounds great today. It's amazing, isn't it? I actually I call it tyranny of the baby boomers. It you know, it's as if okay, let's let's do an analogy here. It's as if when you were growing up in the sixties, the only music being played was from the twenties. 
because that's what's happening now. 40 years later, we're still playing 60s and 70s music, uh, and uh, it's just not the same as it was. Of course, technology's changed, which allows that to happen as well, because you would have had to have played seven scratchy 78s. But uh, there you go. It's just interesting that so much of that music uh, is still aired. Absolutely. It's uh, also interesting that uh, I have a, a nephew who's 25, he loves Elvis. <laughs> I mean. Might have to play some Elvis here later. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, Lori Lewis, Master Gardener, um, and as as we mentioned, one of the organizers of the Sheffield Music Festival and Garden Walk. Let's do a real quick. What, what should we do? Should we talk gardening first? Should we talk festival first and tease? Talk festival. Let's talk festival real quick um, because it's coming up next weekend. Saturday and Sunday, 21st and 22nd of July, 50th anniversary is a big deal. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had the folks from the Dearborn Garden Walk celebrating their 60th. And that's how you market the, the two garden walks. You've got Dearborn is 10 years ahead of you guys. Um, but 50 is a real milestone. 1969 is, is was the first year. Right. What's interesting, in 1969, the Sheffield neighborhood was just was starting scary, to— was scary was just starting to gentrify. You had DePaul University with a few buildings yeah. as their main campus. And it started out with about 15 gardens and about 50 garage sales. In those days, most of the homes in that neighborhood, all the homes in that neighborhood were these old uh, cottage homes or built in the uh, uh, 1880s, 1890s. Mm-hmm. People had detached garages and they accumulated stuff and they had garage sales. And that's, we had a map, the first guidebook, a map showing all the garage sales and the few gardens. Isn't that interesting? Now, do you have garage sales at all on it no. now? No. Okay. And and it's, and it's gone through different uh, permutations uh, over the year, um, over the years. And at one point, uh, you had judging for your gardens. Right. Because I was a judge. You, you were had, a judge. You, you had me do that several years. Uh, and what else has changed in terms of, uh, say, even just the garden walks? Well, we used to, uh, <laughs> most of the gardens used to be in the eastern part of the neighborhood that would be east of uh, Sheffield. As the neighborhood has gentrified, we now go all the way west mm-hmm. to west of Southport. And uh, if I divide the neighborhood into half, about half the gardens are in the western portion and half are in the eastern portion. So uh, the number of gardens has spread out as gentrification has occurred. We now have a craft beer and wine festival or fest within a fest on Saturday and Sunday afternoons. We also have enlarged the kids' corner. We now have two music stages. Mm-hmm. And what's also interesting, we're still, because of landmark preservation, are able to have an architectural tour uh, of the eastern portion of the neighborhood, uh, which has many landmark and historical district uh, type buildings. And uh, I should let you know that in terms of the music, there's not only retro music. Now, the retro music's being done in honor of the 50-year celebration, right? That's correct. Yeah. So Shadows of Night, I mentioned the Buckinghams will be there, the Ides of March, New Colony Six, uh, and and some tribute slash cover bands like uh, the Windy Gypsies, Rosie and the Rivets, the Four C Notes, Claremont Drive, Dick Diamond and the Dusters, and Ara, or Era. How do you pronounce that? Do you have any idea? I have no idea. A-R-R. There's ABBA. 
or Abba. It could be Ara. Uh-huh. It could be Ara. You're right. Ara. Ara. So, uh, but then there's uh, um, for the kids. We've got uh, uh, newer bands because you guys are always uh, pretty cutting edge with with your music, right? Absolutely, and we have uh, Freddie Jones Band back again this year, mm-hmm. and we have Mr. Blato, mm-hmm. and we have Seventh Heaven, and Run Forest, Forest Run. Run. <laughs> <laughs> so that's on the south stage and on the north stage correct. will be the uh, the retro. That yeah. is correct. So it's going to be really fun. So you're going to have a good uh, intergenerational gathering, I suspect. And everything will occur from 11.30 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. And in, it's 10 bucks, right? $10 suggested donation, which is invested back into the neighborhood from the parks and the schools. Um, and you can get tremendous entertainment that would cost you a hundred dollars anywhere else. I know it's 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 ridiculously mm-hmm. cheap, and you got and it's family friendly too. You can bring the kids, and 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 as we mentioned before, there's even architectural tours, um, and just a lot going on in two days. That's why it's the best fest in the city. So uh, if you're interested, if folks are interested, and they go to they can go to SheffieldGardenWalk.com. It's all it is. And if, it's on my website, MikeNovak.net. Mm-hmm. I've got all that information. I just posted on Facebook. Um, and well. um, next Saturday and Sunday. So, Well, yes. I had a question for Lori. Yes, Peggy. As we're looking over 50 years and gentrification and it's spread out, how have the gardens changed? The gardens have gotten smaller because many people, when they've uh, done uh, teardowns of older buildings and mm-hmm. they built their new larger buildings— they many people have eliminated backyards. Okay. Well, and, you mentioned that we were talking in the lobby about McMansions, and one of the first things to go is the yard, which is silly if you ask me, because we know from working in the business that trees add value to a site, and that they add also health peace of mind it's uh it's it's proven you can that's why you try to put green and trees yeah. outside and a, a hospital and, a, and an outdoor room yeah yes with a tree so in order to maximize the value that they've paid for some of these lots they want to build a house that's twice or three times the size that was mm-hmm. there before so what goes first is the backyard and they put Yikes. a large deck which typically will extend with some stairs up to the garage roof. And their gardening in the back typically will consist of some containers. And what they then do is leave the parkway and a small front yard area in the front of the house along the public sidewalk left for gardening. And some of them are very, very nice. And they have uh, designers do the landscaping and... uh, uh, they spend a lot more money on hardscape today. Right. So I th- is this the future of urban gardening? And this is kind of where it's gone here in this city, but and I would imagine in other cities in the country too. Well, if you've gone to any local garden center or big box store, you will notice, and I've noticed it already, some of them have, uh, there is a glut of shrubs and uh, trees on the market right now, and they've already started sales. Mid-July, they have started sales hmm. for selected trees and shrubs. A number of new cultivars in the shrub area have the word 
mini or dwarf in front of them. Yes. So they are trying to downsize through hybridization many shrub plants to fit in a small urban uh, landscape. Well, this is, yeah, this has been an ongoing trend in the industry now for a decade or more. Um, I, and I would say more because I can remember 20 years ago uh, buying a, a dwarf. We And we've talked about it on the show, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm using air quotes here, uh, a uh, dwarf um, uh, a lilac. Um, and um, I put it in the ground, and it suddenly it was seven feet tall. And I said, that's dwarf? Yeah. What? Yeah. Right. And, I think my dwarf lilac's about five or six And feet. I want to address something. I, uh, several years ago, I was talking about something like this. And somebody said, you shouldn't use the word dwarf. It's, it's, it's not proper. And I had to say, this is what we use in the industry. There's really no other way to describe it. It's, this is, it's, we're talking about a plant. It's a height-challenged it, lilac. It's, exactly. It, it's a plant, folks. Um, and uh, this is what they're called. In, in the industry, hmm. um, we're not talking about human beings here. We're talking about plants. And so, but as you say, Lori, this has been the trend. It's like make it smaller and smaller because we're going to cram it into your little urban space there. Uh, or into a container. Or... And, and it's interesting, though, that a lot of so-called dwarf plants will grow fairly large if you put them in the right conditions. And it'll it'll fake people out. And suddenly they thought the thing was going to be three feet tall. It's six feet tall and, and six feet wide. And that's not what they wanted. So they're going to rip it out and try something else. And it's it's nature. This is this is how these things grow. So I don't I don't know what you tell people in that case. Well, I I tell them, first of all, when you buy the specimen at the store, it's typically in a two, three, four, five gallon container. And I said it. Notice the uh, the dimensions on the tag. It said <laughs> yeah. two to what? three. Read the feet. label. What are you? That's, well, that's for PM. Do I have to, to turn it over and read it? Is uh, by two to three feet wide is a fairly large range. Yeah. And even though it's a small plant, and I said uh, if you have optimal growing conditions, and I can tell you right now that most people in the city do not have optimal growing conditions and most people do not take optimal care of their gardens unlike these plants that are hybridized and grown in the controlled conditions mm-hmm. so uh people unfortunately do not really understand how to take care of these plants if they tend to get a little too large for their space they don't know anything about pruning or cutting oh, back pruning and that's, that's a topic yeah. of another Three weeks of shows. <laughs> Here, but, we're signing you up right now. Uh, but, but the point you're making is well taken for anybody yeah. listening to the show anywhere in the country. Unless you're out on the farm, unless you're out in the wide open spaces, even the suburbs can be challenging. And that's because these books will tell you about, they'll give you a plant or the tag on it says, in dappled shade, blah, blah. Who's got dappled shade anymore? It's it's three-flat shade or garage shade, your neighbor's garage shade, which is half the year. Um, those are the kinds of things when you're putting in plants in your yard, you need to be paying attention to, and a lot of folks don't. They don't really, they don't, uh, we'll start with a very basic thing, Lori, and you know this. They don't know how much sun they have. Absolutely. They have no clue. And they also are not aware of the fact that the level of sunlight 
come June 15th is different than the level of sunlight come August 15th or September 1st. And uh, they they have no idea how to regulate that. Uh, and And the bottom line mm-hmm. is the growth of the plant is affected. And the other thing... And this is another discussion topic, uh, global <laughs> for, for warming. For another 20 weeks, Global yes. warming. The growing conditions, heat, humidity, uh, rainfall that we have in the Chicago area is so dramatically different each and every year. And not just here. The Midwest in general has these swings in a lot of parts of the country. I mean, we were talking again before we came on the air about the slow spring, and we'll get it. We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we'll talk about that. But we had a slow spring, but we weren't the only ones. It stretched basically from the Rockies to the Atlantic, uh, and everybody had that this year. Very cold in the upper part of the Midwest, and a lot of plants were way behind what they normally are. Uh, And folks are dealing with it. And then what happens next year when everything's early and it throws not only plants off, it throws gardeners Mm -hmm. off. They they're not really sure how to deal with this. Uh, So that is Lori Lewis, uh, master gardener uh, in Chicago, former Chicago gardener of the year. And uh, we're we're talking your plants uh, at eight, seven, 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 one, one, five, six, one, one. And as I always say, if you call in great, if you don't, I don't worry because I got a ton of questions (laughs) here. We, we, we could go on forever. As, as Lori said, we could turn this into a 20-week uh, episode uh, of uh, the Mike Novak Show and just uh, keep uh, talking garden plants. But when we come back, I want to talk about some of the things that people do in uh, urban and suburban areas, which are containers, uh, maybe some tropicals, uh, and more. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Now's the time to sign up for one of McHenry County's premier sustainability events. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its 11th annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place November 3rd, but registration for vendor and artist space is open now. This year's expo will be bigger than ever. The popular Artist Walk returns, featuring sustainable artwork, jewelry, and decorative items. And if your business offers eco-friendly holiday gifts, being a vendor is the perfect head start to the season. Last year's event attracted more than 1,100 visitors. Mike and I were there, and we know the expo is a fun way to interact with McHenry County's green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. This is tree keeper number 417, hydrated, loppers sharpened, and reporting that Openlands has tree keeper summer and fall courses in 2018. Tree keepers are trained volunteers who advocate and care for nature's most majestic plants, trees, around the Chicago area. Trust me, you'll be glad you took the course. The summer course is Tuesdays and Thursdays in Arlington Heights. The fall course is Sundays and Thursdays at Wells Park in Chicago. To learn more, visit openlands.org slash treekeepers. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. 
Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. That's a little uh, scary, isn't it, now I'm <laughs> in the Me Too age? Uh, okay, <laughs> welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That group is the Ides of March. Again, one of the uh, groups that will be appearing at the Sheffield Music Festival. The Ides of March will will be there. Lori Lewis from the Sheffield Music Festival and Garden Walk is here in the studio. And, and we're the talking, Ides of July. Uh, exactly, and we're talking uh, growing stuff and, and during the break, um, Peggy brought up something that, that happens to people's backyards all the time because, guess what? It happened in her yard. So maybe you want to explain this. Um, my yard has been mostly shade. It's a suburban yard, big oaks, um, other trees, arborvitaes. And the shade conditions have changed as old trees next door were removed. So I went from Suddenly shade. Suddenly and irrevocably. I went from shade to... And mostly shade to sun. So now my hydrangea's happy and sprawling and taking over. And it's like, well, do I trim that back? Do I let it? You know, it's it's that conundrum of this plant that had been pretty confined is now happy. Ben? Um, really sensitive. Oh yeah, I've got a lot of trillium and a lot of other things. So everything's kind of adapting. And her hydrangea just exploded. Okay, it just went, and it's got blooms all over the place, <laughs> sprawling everywhere. And it started it last year, and then this year, it's just it's, happy. And, and it's, yeah, it's really happy. And the thing about that, because it's an Annabelle, is you can prune that back, and you can con- right. kind of control that. It's not one of the worst mm-hmm. things that could yeah. happen. And one of the other things, we're ahead of our uh, accumulated rainfall by about 10 inches. And if you, another reason why it's doing so well right, this year, yeah, because right. if it had been a dry year, it would be a little shrivelly and right. uh, not very happy. And if you were, unless you were hydrating it uh, mm-hmm. a great deal, but those are the kinds of things that happen. As we mentioned in the break, is that a house gets put up, a McMansion gets put up next door, or gets taken down, or a tree dies, and now it's gone, or something else changes. Somebody puts up a garage. And you mm-hmm. go, oh, my goodness, that's where I grew my tomatoes. Or how, somebody how plants you... a bunch of trees. Well, and, and another issue, this is especially an urban issue, uh, uh, probably the uh, 20% of most of the, of the uh, parkway trees in the city of Chicago are ash trees. And with the yeah. uh, emerald ash borer, uh, I've seen in heavily shaded neighborhoods these uh, 40 and 50-year-old ash trees being taken down. Now you've got a front yard and a parkway that is full sun, mm-hmm. and you put in a two-inch caliper replacement tree, mm-hmm. and you have a totally different landscape. Yeah, and now you got to coddle it before so that it can get to maturity because a parkway in full sun is a harsh, harsh environment, especially in the northern tier of the United States when people are throwing salt down. In the winter, that's all splashing up on the parkway. 
so you have to make sure that you you're you're hydrating your tree, you're watering your tree. Um, uh, if you can put a barrier around it so it doesn't get the salt, um, don't let it dry out because again, this is uh, and and be careful of the kinds of chemicals you're putting down. It's just all kinds of things. It's very exposed. Your your neighbors. All right, I'll tell you what happens in my neck of the woods and my parkway is I'm the only guy in the well now I'm the second uh, I was the first there's one other uh uh house on the block that actually grows stuff in the parkway you want to you want to know where the dogs want to stop they want to stop garden. my garden is and and I'm sorry you dog walkers get a brain okay let them let them pee on the lawn down the block but you come and they they want to stop at my beautiful plants on my parkway and i just want to say you can just get the dog away from there and take them down the block to the tree in the middle of the lawn parkway but you plant do want to get rid of that barbary. rose though <laughs> plant some barbary with the thorns i did for a while and you know i'm not a fan of barberry no uh it's a kind of an invasive plant and and actually, I have a rose out in front that I'm gonna I'm ripping out. I've been ripping out stuff that I don't like. Put a sign, dogs here. Dogs, yes. You you may pee on the rose bush uh, because it's it's grown out of control. It blooms once a year. It doesn't do anything for me. And I'm going more native. I'm getting more native plants in there. And that's one of the reasons I, I had some currants, ribes that did not uh, produce fruit. They were obviously male, and they were boring. And I had to prune them every year to keep them in bounds. I said, why am I growing these? Yep, you're gone. Goodbye. I had a boxwood in the backyard. Gorgeous. Five feet tall. Beautiful. And, you know, a lot of boxwoods have been getting diseases. This one had not a lick of disease. It was in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to grow vegetables. I said, you're out of here. Okay. (laughs) And I ripped that out. So sometimes you got to use a little tough love. My garden, I change about 20% of the plants every year. Not because they die. But because just when you have a small garden, you like to change the mm-hmm. look. And uh, it's not an expensive thing. It's not like adding on a bathroom addition or redoing a kitchen. For a few hundred dollars, you can make a big difference in your garden. Yeah. And uh, uh, and plants are changing all the time anyway. You get uh, volunteers that pop up. And pretty much most of the time, I'm going to let the volunteers stay if it, unless they're totally noxious weeds. Um, if it's if it wanted to grow there, I think, okay, I can probably make that work. You know, again, depending on, on, on what it is, but um, coneflower has a tendency mm-hmm. to drift, and I've got, oh, my goodness, Peggy can tell you, I ripped up a, an entire plastic garbage bag full of wild geranium uh, maculatum, and I said, here, Take this because it's it's, it's drifted. A, it's north. a thug. It was t- it was it was crowding out everything mm-hmm. in my parkway. Yeah, it, and it's nice that it's doing that well. well. It's like the sedge. I've got a sedge that's just drifting. Through a everything. another thug in the parkway, especially uh, in shade, is a celadine poppy. Oh yeah, native plant. You know, you confuse native plant. That means it's got to be good no matter what. No, native plants can be very aggressive mm-hmm. and can be thugs in the garden, and but they're easy to control. 
And uh, they're very. It's a very effective plant. That celandine poppy is a lovely plant. But one of the problems I will say with celandine poppy, if you cut it, you're going to get yellow juice on your shirt. So be careful, okay? But it has a beautiful yellow bloom, lovely lobed leave, and as you say, though, can be very aggressive. And it grows in shade. Yep, and it, it pop grows, up everywhere. And that's what you want. It's you know, in a parkway like that, uh, if it's me, I'm not watering it very much. One of the things I like is um, wood aster. Which will grow in shade, mm-hmm. has a lovely little bloom in the late summer at a, a time when a, when a lot of things aren't blooming, and just tough as nails. And will will in fact, I I grabbed a big clump of that last year and threw it in the backyard in a problem area, and so it and it's doing great. And you know what? Its leaves don't have mildew, <laughs> <laughs> and it stays a lot shorter. Uh yeah. Oh, that powdery mildew. <laughs> um, you know what? And, and that's a consideration, too. You you like plants that are going to continue to look good, and some of them don't. Um, we know that phlox gets powdery mildew. Uh, bee balm will get powdery mildew. Uh, lilacs get tons of powdery mildew. And and if you get, that's one of the reasons you want good air circulation right. in your garden. Uh, let's talk a little bit about tropicals, because you said you've been uh, sort of wandering into that area in some of your design work. What What are you discovering? Well, if you find, I find that a lot of uh, areas uh, uh, are have that have very dense shade, or the garden space competes uh, with trees that have shallow roots. For example, like uh, uh, any maple trees. Uh, any beech trees or birch trees all have very shallow root systems. And yes, you can always use begonias and impatience and all that. But now let's try and create something interesting in that garden space by adding tropicals, which are uh, grown. I mean, they're not hardy to this area, as we all know, mm-hmm. but they're hardy to areas where they're typically understory plants used to uh, lesser light conditions, no sun, Mm -hmm. and uh, tree roots all over the place. So what, and they also have a lot of, uh, they give you some volume size-wise. You can easily get two to four foot high tropicals or higher. You can get tropicals that have very limited flowering, but they make up for that with variegated foliage. Or interesting shaped leaves. Uh, anything in the philodendron family, for example, uh, has the uh, interesting shaped leaf, and they provide interest the entire gardening season until we have our first frost. And then, if you're challenged, you can dig them up and take them indoors. Yeah, that's what I like about that. You know, and suddenly you have some indoor plants, and you can bring them back out next uh, summer. And Oh, uh, one I use a lot, and these are not hard to find, folks. A bromeliad, which has a very nice, colorful flower that la- it only will grow well with lesser light and minimal amount of water. You just keep the cup filled with a little water, which you'll typically get from rainfall, and you'll have <laughs> that colorful bloom the entire growing season. You know, it's, and it's almost not fair. Our friends listening to us in Florida get to have these things out all year round. Uh, and here we're struggling to uh, to find something interesting in the northern climes mm-hmm. here that we can put out that's going to have color. But the, the important part, as you mentioned, is a lot of these are understory plants. 
that means. So in your house, even when you have them in your house, if you bring them in for the winter, don't put them in a sunny window. Right. Because it's going to scorch the leaves. So what you're doing is you're keeping them in a brightly lit but not direct sunlight area. And a very common plant. You see this indoors. If you just look at plantscapes in indoor offices, Mm -hmm. they're all tropical plants. And they're typically maintained by. Can you imagine companies. having impatience indoors? That would be really weird. Yes, it would. <laughs> but uh, one of the most common ones, commonly called mother in law's tongue, uh, Sansevieria, has several uh, varieties out there that are variegated, uh, some real bright foliage, uh, uh, yellow and green with white. And you put that in a darker space in a garden, and now you've uh, really brightened up the space. Yeah, it's a it's a great, it's a great tip to 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 do this. And for some of these plants, uh, if they're indoors, and in the winter they they start getting unhappy and tired, you take them out into the yard and you rejuvenate them. That's what I do, and I love that because it just brings this energy. I've got this uh, chefleura in the backyard that's just erupting with leaves now. It's very happy. All right, we'll be back with Lori Lewis. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to lead healthier lives. And Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even keeping your pets healthy. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and healthy cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policy. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago Smart Talk. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please, support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. This is your talk. We're going to be here for a long time. Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. I said you got the kind of love it, kissing and a hugging. Sure is metal. Glad that I'm a better and I know that you're not mad on my feet. Have mercy on me, cause you're not mad on my feet. I 
had to play this one. Uh, the Buckinghams did a lot of stuff that kind of a drag and stuff, but this is the best song they I think they ever Chicago's did. Chicago's very own Buckinghams. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this was uh, one of their best. And I it was interesting reading about... Uh, <laughs> I just watched that go by on Facebook Live. What? Oh, the uh, oh <laughs> my, my my little dance move yes. there. Okay. Well, you're practicing your theater uh, skills. Yeah, because they're they're really rusty right now. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We have Lori Lewis in the studio. And by the way, that's L A U R Y, short for Lawrence. So it's not L O R I, and it's L A U R I E. No, it's a guy. And uh, have you always been called Lori? Yes, uh, ever since. Uh, when I started talking at six months old, I could remember my uh, parents calling me Lori. Huh. Because you're not going to call me Lawrence. That's a little too formal. It really is. And it didn't. Larry typically is L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E. And what's yours? L-A-U? L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E. Mine's, I, my middle name is Lawrence, L-A-W. And I'm really glad that it's not my first name because. <laughs> Hello, you don't look Larry. Like, I don't yeah, look, you don't like, look a like a Larry. No, no, I'm not a Larry. So. You both look more like a mic. Yeah, and you look like a lorry. You what know what? And standing next to the mic, I'm getting confused. <laughs> there we go. Wait, 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 wait. We can, we can, there's Alan! a... Alan! No, 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 no. The couple ways we can go, here. we can also go with a... Oh, that Laurie Lewis, he's a card. All right. Uh, Laurie, you had a, a kind of a rant uh, while we were in the break there, and, and and you're welcome to. Since, you know what, you get to a certain point in life, you go, I really don't care. It's <laughs> I've been doing this a long time, and um, uh, what what is that rant all about? Well, for the last 10 years, we've had very low inflation. Would you, would you not agree, generally, in the United States? In general. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, interest rates are... At historic lows, have right, been for right. a long time. But if you go to a garden center, and I'm, it doesn't matter whether it's the private, independent, or big box stores, has anybody noticed the price of a four to four mm-hmm. and a half inch annual pot? Yep. And uh, they're they're usually they're up in the five and six dollar range. They're they're depending on where you live. Yep. Five to six dollars now. Uh, at the end of the season, and not all those annuals will last the whole season because many of them are meant for spring show, mm-hmm. and even the ones that you get good three, three and a half months during the summer, you think about it, five and a half dollars, six dollars for a pot, and if you are a gardener that likes to look forward to the next season, what happens quite often in garden centers, you see perennials. Mm-hmm. On sale in the fall, five, six, maybe seven dollars. Mm-hmm. And what does a perennial do? Usually, comes, that an annual doesn't. <laughs> in, in theory, it will come back. Yeah. And uh, I understand the need for annuals, but I think that's where the big market is right now, because container gardening in smaller spaces is a big thing, and the retailers know that. And uh, I, I think it's outrageous to charge five and a half dollars for a small little plant and uh, use it for a couple of months and then throw it away. Well, yeah, there's there's a point there. And um, I, in the past, have looked for flats 
you know, it used to be you could buy a flat of uh, of plants for like thirteen bucks or or, mm-hmm. or or twelve bucks or something like that, and Not that's anymore. Um, it's really hard to find flats now. You, it's all you're right. They've moved to four inch pots, and I th- and I'm sure the independent garden centers would say, well, we need to make a living too. Uh, so what's what's the balance on this? And as you say, maybe the balance is stop <laughs> stop planting all these annuals and put in perennials that are going to come back next year, uh, um, and or. The and the other thing is, folks are order, ordering online. There's a, there's a lot of online orders. Uh, but Lori and I uh, will tell you, we love our independent garden centers. We think it's important that they stay in business. Um, I'm not as big a fan. See, I say if you want to buy a, a pruner, go to a box store. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. If you want to buy plants, go to an independent garden center where they're going to really take care of them and they know what they're and, doing. And they may have some annuals that are a little bit more unusual. They usually do, and they take care of the plants while they're on display in the stores. Uh, and then the other thing is many of them now carry six and eight inch or one gallon pots of annuals. Hmm. So those impatient gardeners that want a larger plant sooner mm-hmm. and don't mind paying $10 for a six-inch pot, you can get it. <laughs> well, and and that has been the issue all along, as you know, Lori, that people want it right now. They and and when you tell folks, "Hey, here's this 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 perennial," and and it's a brand new perennial, it's a plug or something, you say, "Give it three years, you're going to love it. It's going to be really happy." I remember once planting uh, uh, some climbing hydrangea for a client, and they had a brick garage wall, and I said, and I got the little ones because. Uh, they they wanted it inexpensive. I said, here it is. There's the tiny little plants. And they said, well, well how long is that going to take? I said, I don't know, three or four years, and you're going to be really happy. What? I, I know. And they were. And it ended up covering the whole wall. <laughs> and they were happy. Yeah. And I said, it, you know, it goes by very fast. It's like it's, a clematis, the same thing. And besides, you can't you can't buy... Uh, a climbing hydrangea that's going to cover your wall the first year anyway. It's got to take its time mm-hmm. and attach itself. So um, really, just er- everybody, calm down. Get the plants, get plugs, put them in there, grow from seed if you want. Um, this is a good way to, to, you know, if you want to save money, that's that's one way to do it. Um, so uh, just a couple of minutes left. Uh, real quickly, Lori, you had mentioned earlier also uh, that it's a it was a cool spring, a late spring, uh, which you said, did you connect it to the tree and shrub sales that you think are going to happen in the fall? I think that's uh, I think that's definitely an issue, yeah. and uh, I think that that uh, people got. I noticed this in my own neighborhood. Uh, people got a late start on putting out their impatience begonias and things like that. Uh, and those typically are planted uh, usually the be middle of May, typically, or a little sooner. They weren't being put in the ground till after June 1st. Mm-hmm. And one of the most common perennials out there, Allium Summer Beauty. Beautiful, no-brainer kind of perennial. Great <laughs> flower. It's I rarely see them in bloom at this point this year, they're in bud stage, ready to open, but they're at least uh, three weeks behind. And that's the case with a lot of people, and it might change next year. That's the way gardening works. Um, 
Well, let's give a, a quick plug again to the uh, Sheffield Music Festival and Garden Walk, July 21st and 22nd. It's only 10 buck donation, suggested donation, and you go to uh, uh, Sheffield and Webster is, is where this is happening, noon to 10 p.m. on both days. There's music, there's tours, there's gardens, of course, some beautiful gardens, some great music, retro and up-to-date music, so you've got your pick. You've craft got beer. Craft beer. You've got kids' events. Uh, what are we missing? Architectural tours. It's all there. We're missing, Mike, that you're not doing the show there. <laughs> it's true. Next year we, we will. We, we, tried. We, we tried to do it there. It would have been really fun to be on site uh, next week, but uh, maybe we'll just have to show up and have a craft beer. Uh, Laurie Lewis, always a pleasure. To, Thank you, Mike and Peggy, you, for having thanks, me Lori. on. Have you in the studio because uh, you know a lot of stuff, and uh, and I and I just like having garden conversations with you. So, you know what? I tell you what, let's do this again in a year, huh? Sounds great to me. <laughs> July fourteenth, twenty nineteen. Because right here. this garden conversation kind of grows on you. All right, there we go. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. More bad jokes when we come back. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now please make enjoy for second hour capitalist radio. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is Welcome back to, to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've got another set of fabulous guests in the studio. We're going to get to them in a second because we're going to be talking... Native plants and native R's, and you're thinking, what? What's a native R? You know, and that's a conversation that's been going on for a long time, for at least uh, a decade, maybe a couple of decades. Um, I wrote about it 10 years ago for Chicago Land Gardening Magazine. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And uh, our folks uh, in the studio are Kerry Havens, Ph.D., um, from the Chicago Botanic Garden and Jennifer Schwartz Ballard, Ph.D. So the doctors are in the house. All right. So if you need uh, 
<laughs> the doctors are in. If you need advice, give us a call, 877-711-5611. But before we do that, we got other stuff. We, we, we want to do some thank yous because yesterday uh, Peggy and I went up to Milwaukee um, to uh, – to not to uh, to find fertilizer, but to visit the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener, and uh, that is our friends uh, Holly and Joey Baird, who have their own radio program Saturday mornings from nine to ten a.m. on WNOV eight. The Voice. The Voice. 860, right? Mm -hmm. 860 AM and something, something FM. Uh, But you can just go to the WisconsinVegetableGardener.com. And then we went over to visit their garden. Uh, And they're doing great stuff up there. I got to tell you, um, I'm impressed. They're going to take over the state of Wisconsin. It's going to happen. They're going to be on all over the place. And then they're going to come down here and say, um, get out of here. We're taking over your show. (laughs) And that's uh, that's okay. (laughs) Probably by that time, I'm I'm going to want that to happen. But um, uh, it was uh, it was really a delight uh, being uh, on the show, and they actually wanted our advice on stuff. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, I saw the the agenda, and he said, "Okay, we're going to talk uh, squash bugs, and we're going to talk uh, foliar feeding." And I'm thinking, um, "Yeah," and I'll just say, "Uh huh, uh huh, that sounds good. Wow, that's great stuff. Wow. Yeah, wow." But uh, we actually did our homework and uh, and had uh, brought something to the conversation, something to the table. So uh, thanks to Holly and Joey Baird, we really had a great time up there. Um, what else do we need to? Uh... And then Friday we were at Taste of Chicago. Oh my goodness, yes, that was. That and that's was uh, final day today. I can't. You know, it it seems like it was a million years ago because it was Friday morning. We were at Taste of Chicago at the uh, Humana. Farm to Festival. Farm garden. to Festival. The eight eleven call before you dig garden. Uh huh. Well, yeah, they call it eight eleven Chicago, Chicago garden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But but that the eight eleven the whole thing is is like uh, Julie and those other groups that want you to pay attention to what you're doing <laughs> when you're planting because you don't want to hit. Well, I just heard on the news uh, a few days ago somebody hit a pipe, gas pipe, big explosion. In a town, nobody died, which was really good, but it it looked, well, a bomb basically went off, a mm-hmm. gas bomb, uh, and that happens, and you got to be really careful. Here's the other thing I would tell you is when you're planting trees, look up, okay, uh, and, and a lot, I didn't, I've done that. There's a few, there's a couple of trees that have grown up into the power There's plenty wires. of room when you planted them. I know it, and uh, it, because then if you're going to... Uh, Try to prune something that's growing into power lines. Don't do that. Call the experts. That's what you really want to do. So you got the experts who who tell you what's going on below the soil line, and then you've got the experts who tell you what's going on above your head. And it's all important, especially if you're dealing with trees. This is usually mm-hmm. um, or drainage. I mean, because if you're going to be trying to do drainage in your yard and and you don't know what's on the, below the soil line, uh, you could get in a world of hurt there. Yes, you're 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 putting your finger on something. I'm just on putting the cheat on my sheet. my finger on giving a plug for some of our neighbors. Richie Z's coming on at twelve with Chicago History and Automotive Heaven, and, and playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall. And we will blame Bill for everything. That's what were we? What was I blaming him for yesterday? Oh, I know, I was blaming him because we did a, a Facebook live shot. And by the way, we had as of last night over five hundred views on the Facebook live from the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardeners mm-hmm. Garden. I bet it's going to end up 
over a thousand. And now, and the image kind of was, you know, the the Facebook connection was tenuous there. So we're blaming Bill. Uh, yeah, we could blame Comcast. We could blame Mark Zuckerberg, but let's blame Bill. Yeah. All right. So you can call him today at one o'clock. And, uh, and blame that's him. right. Uh, Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall, one to three, right here on fifteen ninety WCGO. And then Mighty House Home Improvement Show Saturdays from seven to ten a.m. right here. And 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 Ron, if you're listening, we listen to you. Caught the signal. We were driving up to Milwaukee yesterday. Caught it all the way, uh, basically to Racine. Um, and you know, kind of stronger in some areas, weaker in other areas as as you go up. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were we were listening uh, on the, the way up. So thank you. I almost dozed off and drove off the road. <laughs> um, but uh, otherwise, then I just kind of poked you the, a couple. The times show was. <laughs> Wake up! Otherwise, the uh, the, uh, the 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 show was uh, really good. You you imbecile! You bloated idiot! You stupid fathead! You <laughs> okay? <laughs> I don't even know why I threw that in. Not it's sure just, who that was directed uh, to. <laughs> uh, it's directed to me. Okay, that was that was. The, it, the same as, as this one Alan. is. Shut up, Wesley. Okay, there we go. Uh, welcome back. It's the Mike Novak Show. We're going away for a second for two minutes, and we're going to come back and talk to our friends from the Chicago Botanic Garden about We're shaking their heads. Uh, yeah, wondering why <laughs> they came to the studio. I don't know why you did. That's your problem. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. From boat to doorstep. You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Open Lands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connections to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from your childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse their collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. That's tree-stories.org. One of McHenry County's premier sustainability events is coming up, and now's the time to sign up. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its 11th annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place in November, but registration for vendor and artist space is now open. This year's expo will be bigger than ever. The popular Artist Walk returns, featuring sustainable artwork, jewelry, and decorative items. And if your business offers eco-friendly holiday gifts, being a vendor is the perfect head start to the season. Last year's event attracted more than 1,100 visitors. Peggy and I were there, and I bowled pumpkins for compost. It's a fun way to interact with the green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80.
got three Northside gals here in the studio today. I, I actually, I don't know. We're, I know that Peggy's a Northside gal. Um, uh, and uh, Kerry Havens, Ph.D. from uh, the Chicago Botanic Garden. And Kay, we have... We've been doing this a long time. I think I think it's almost going on 20 years here. I think it is. It's, it's been a while. I know cuz I can remember you were one of the, one of the guests I had in the showcase studio at uh, Gargantua Radio down the dial. And um um when I knew nothing. Uh, and I still don't know a whole lot, but I know a lot more than I did then and uh just fascinated by the work you were doing at Chicago Botanic Garden. Uh and also in the studio is Jennifer Schwartz Ballard, also a PhD. Uh, Vice President of Learning and Engagement Programs at the Chicago Botanic Garden. And, and Kay, by the way, and it's spelled, uh, her first name is, and how do you, Kayrie, is that how you pronounce it? It is Kayrie. Yeah, and I, we talked about this 20 years ago, and I said, what kind of a name is that? And she said, I don't know, my mom gave it to me, right? <laughs> my grandmother made it up. Oh, your grandmother made it up. That was it. Okay. K-A-Y-R-I. And it's a cool name. Thank you. And she goes by Kay. Uh, now, what is the uh, Metard and Elizabeth Welch Director of Plant Science and Conservation? Metard and Elizabeth Welch are the people who endowed the position. Of course they are. <laughs> yes. So you're a Director of Plant Science and Conservation. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> and then we, we put that in there. Uh, and, and we need folks like that. All right. If you want to give money to the Mike Novak Show, I will give – I will name a show segment after you. All right. There we I go. take that as a challenge. Okay. Yeah. She's also, but you're also an adjunct assistant professor of biology at U of I Chicago, Northwestern, and Loyola. I am. You keep busy. I do. <laughs> well, la-di-da. Okay. No, it's, and it's very, it's great to have you here. Now, I saw this information and I said, yeah, th- I want to talk about this because this, uh, we're going to talk about native plants, but we're also going to talk about native ours. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's something it's a it's kind of a controversy in in the plant world um and i know because i wrote about this i want to say 10 years ago i was trying to find the exact date um and i didn't have the exact date but i wrote a story for chicago land gardening magazine where i interviewed people like doug Callamy mm-hmm. um and connor shaw connor shaw is from possibility place nursery mm-hmm. in central illinois well just south of chicago doug Callamy, of course university of delaware um, PhD who's written uh, Bringing Nature Home. So he talks a lot about natives in terms of uh, the biology, our, our insects, and, and providing opportunities to increase the biomass of insects. Here's, I, this is a quote from my article 10 years ago. Uh, Talamy states bluntly, there's no such thing as nativars. They are cultivars of native plants. They introduced that name to try to convince people that they're just fine. <laughs> and then Shaw, and then this, this was the following paragraph. Shaw has a more benign attitude, which is kind of interesting for Connor Shaw because he's, uh, he's like me. He's a cranky guy. Um, Shaw has a more benign attitude towards native ours. Quote, first of all, what we found is that when those things seed, they don't go true to form, he explains. They actually revert back to the native plants. The example he uses are what he calls the fancy new coneflower, or mm-hmm. echinacea colors. According to the observers he's talked to, the doggone things seed profusely and revert back to the same old purple coneflower color. 
He says he prefers the straight species, but that if the closest his customers get to natives is native are, he can live with that. He warns, however, that the off-color or variegated leaf plants never perform as well as the ones that are green. Um, all very interesting stuff. So I get, let's back it up a little bit. Let's talk about what's the difference between a native and a native R. Who wants to, to jump in on that? I'll let Kay do that one. All right. So a native R is just a cultivated variety of a native plant. And um, they have been selected or bred to have novel traits that gardeners like. So they might have a change in flower color. They might make more flowers. They might be shorter or taller. They might have a different scent. Uh, and all of these things matter to pollinators. And so if you're trying to plant a pollinator garden, you might be asking the question, should I use a straight native species mm -hmm. or should I use a native R? And that's what we're trying to answer with our um, new Budburst research project. And that takes us to Budburst, which is something you've been doing for a while mm -hmm. at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Who wants to explain Budburst? Now, okay, let's take it over to Jennifer. <laughs> um, well, Budburst is a national citizen science initiative that asks people to help us understand how plants and ecosystems are responding to climate change by looking at the timing of plant life cycle events. Um, scientific term for that is phenology. Mm -hmm. So when they leaf out in the spring, when the first bud opens, first flower, full flower, all the way through the entire growing season. And so uh, with climate change, we expect that those plants that are responding to temperature to start growing in the spring will change the timing of those events. Uh, so that's the the budburst overview. Mm -hmm. What we've done with the Native Ours project is to ask our 30,000 plus citizen scientists to help us answer some more specific questions. Budburst is a crowdsourced data, so mm -hmm. we really need that phenology data. But we thought we could answer a specific research question. So with our Native Ours project, we're looking at whether or not these cultivars of native species provide the same kinds of pollinator support that true wild-type natives do. And the reason I brought up this article is because here's two guys. They're, they're pros. They've been doing this. Uh, they've been doing this. It won't uh, stay. That's uh, all right. Don't worry. Just turn the mic. Maybe you uh, move that, closer. Yeah, and turn the mic that way. <laughs> Oil can. Uh, the uh, Crypt Oil Keeper can. is in the room. Okay. Uh, these guys are pros, but... They were dealing with anecdotal experience here, not a lot of data, all right? And they're smart. They get it. They they have a theory about what Native R's do and can't do, but we don't know for sure mm -hmm. until we engage your citizen scientists. And I was interested. You said 30,000? Mm -hmm. Budburst has 30,000 citizen scientists working? It does. With it? All, in all 50 states. So oh, my goodness. Across the entire And how country. old is Budburst? Budburst is now 12 years old. That's what I thought. It's yeah. not. It's about about the time I was writing this is yeah. you guys were starting Project mm -hmm. Budburst and, and looking at the timing of plants. And now you've decided, okay, we can answer other questions, right? That's exactly. Right. So we wanted to invite... This uh, community of scientists, citizen scientists, to help us answer specific questions. And uh, so the first one is Budburst Native Ours, but we'll be adding new research projects mm -hmm. every year um, on on the uh, web platform. And you're also working with um, three other gardens. We are. So um, Budburst Native Ours is happening um, at Chicago Botanic Garden at Mount Cuba in Delaware. 
at Denver Botanic Garden and at San Diego Botanic Garden. All right. So we've, you've got – and that's great because now you've got observers all mm-hmm. across the country who are taking this data. And what can they do to determine – oh, and you also have a list of plants. You're saying yeah. we, we need a control group mm-hmm. so that you know, we're not just saying, ah – I got a native R and it worked, <laughs> or it's it's good for, or the pollinators hate it. We don't know. I think it's a native R. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? I'm looking at the photo behind me. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a native R. It is, and uh, I think it's in our trial. Is that uh, goldfinch? I was wondering, and that's I, that's I put it on my website. If you go to mikenovak.net, you'll see the yellow columbine. It's, it's, I don't know because it's that's the cover in my photo yard. For the blog this week. I've had this for years, and it just keeps popping up. In it, it popped up in front. I think I had it in the back, and then it popped up in the front yard. And this is just the most gorgeous and plant. And it's still blooming. And it's still blooming right now. It was blooming yesterday. I mean, it's just it blooms for months. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a beautiful plant, but it's not a native. This somebody messed with it and, you know, with the genes and came up with uh, this yellow color because the canadensis is yellow and red. Right. And it attracts hummingbirds, which love red flowers. And so we've um, included goldfinch and corbett, with, which are both um, yellow native ours in our trial. And we'll ask people to watch how often do hummingbirds come to the red native and how often do they come to the yellow native ours. Uh, uh, but to do that, you have to get the citizen scientists out there and sort of, um, well, you teach them how to do this. And that's and that's kind of where this is going. Also, you've already, you had one of your sessions yesterday, didn't you? We had two yesterday, one at the garden and one at Gethsemane um, downtown. Okay. And Gethsemane Garden Center. Yes, yeah. correct. It's not not the cemetery, but the uh, the garden <laughs> the, the center. Garden Those center. were the people right. who didn't read the directions. They were over there. <laughs> they, they, they're, they're standing by tombstones right now, just wondering where is everybody. Okay, uh, and uh, so what what do you teach them about uh, doing observations? Well, um, we start off by I'm, let's lower that mic a little bit. Just all right. Little. Here comes the squeak. Yeah. Wow, that's scary. <laughs> Okay. It sounds like uh, the Poseidon adventure. <laughs> we start off with a little bit of what we've already talked about today, the difference between cultivars and nativars. Mm-hmm. We talk a little bit about the different kinds of pollinators that you might see when you're making observations. So hummingbirds, as Kay mentioned, small bees and flies, bumblebees, honeybees, what got, beetles, and butterflies and moths. All right. On a practical level. If somebody wants to do this as a citizen science, do they have to be out there with their cup of coffee at 9.07 each morning to do this exactly right? No. So we ask people to do a 10-minute observation each week on each plant. So it doesn't matter exactly what time it is, when it is. I mean, you have to note that, of course. Right. This was in the evening. This was in the morning. This one was at midday. So then you get more information. Right. So pollinators are typically... most active midday on sunny days that aren't too breezy. And so people can choose the day of the week where the weather's nice and they can sit out and watch for, you know, if they have five of these in their in their garden, they may take 50 minutes to do all the observations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they can take, you, you say, for at least 10 minutes? Is that what, is 10 what minutes you're... per, yeah, per plant per but week. But if you go an hour, you don't care. You'd be really happy with that. Right. So you just have to note it on your data form. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> Of course. Um, yeah. So so step two yes, all right. would be to get your plants in the ground. Mm-hmm. 
So everyone is welcome to participate. We're asking people to plant the native wild type along with its cultivars in the same area of their garden Ah, so that when you're making observations, they're in the same conditions, they're easy to observe. So you're observing the canadensis and then right next to it, you might have goldfinch. Mm -hmm. So you can Mm -hmm. make the, the observations together and we can do that comparison. That's cool. Uh, and uh, and then how much information do you need for it to be viable? You know, the more, the better. <laughs> Obviously. And, and, and like you said, you've got people doing it all over the country. But that changes things, too, because if, it's, if somebody's viewing it in San Diego, it's different conditions than it is in Mount Cuba. Right. Uh, so um, we do have research gardens at each of these gardens that will be monitored by um, – master gardeners or professional staff. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll have our own data set that we can use to compare to what others are seeing in their home gardens. Uh, We also have gardens in the Chicago area at uh, three Cook County Forest Preserve nature centers. And we're working with schools, both City of Chicago Public Schools and Waukegan School District to get gardens um, placed at school yards as well. And I'm and by the way, you can find all of this information at MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net, or you can go to ChicagoBotanic.org, or you can go to BudBurst, B-U-D-B-U-R-S-T dot org slash project slash native ours. You'll find it if you go to BudBurst because uh, they're, you guys are really prominently featuring it. Uh, I noticed that you mentioned the hardiness zone. So given, you know, different uh, areas and different plants, um, uh, Chicago Botanic Garden and Mount Cuba Center are both uh, zones four to eight. Several have wider temperature tolerances. Plants are suited to most Midwestern and Eastern gardens. And then the Denver Botanic is zone five to eight. Uh, most uh, have wider temperature tolerance. We're talking about the plants here. Mm-hmm. Some Rudbeckia varieties may not survive extreme cold, at higher elevations, plants are suited to the Great Plains and Rocky Mountain region gardens. So we'll learn about that. And I know we have people listening uh, in Rapid City, South Dakota, to this. So the folks in Rapid City might want to participate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in the Project Bud Burst and, and, and team up with the Denver mm-hmm. uh, Botanic Garden. That's uh, the same with State College, Pennsylvania, might want to team up with, with the Mount Cuba. With mm-hmm. Mount Cuba and Delaware. Yeah. And um, then San Diego, now we're talking zone seven to nine. That's a that's a difference. Although, you know, there's different kinds of zone seven and different kinds of zone eight. I was I had a house in the Pacific Northwest for uh, 17 years uh, vacation home. It was zone eight, but it doesn't feel like zone eight. It feels like zone five. Mm -hmm. But things would survive all winter simply because of the maritime influence. So a, a San Diego zone eight is a very different from a Pacific Northwest zone eight. So you've got different kinds mm-hmm. of, of uh, growing conditions here. We do. And we have different species. And so people can select what will work for them. Um, the species that we chose tend to be pretty broadly tolerant. Yes, they do. I'll tell you <laughs> what, we, we, we're going to have to break here in just a few seconds. But when we come back, we'll talk about some of the species because this is stuff you probably grow in your yard anyway. So why not become a citizen scientist? It doesn't really cost anything except uh, showing up to learn how to do it, right? 
Right. Um, and you, all those materials are on our website, so mm-hmm. you can learn how to do it all by yourself as well. Uh-huh. Um, but if you want to take a class with us, you're welcome. And uh, if you come to one of the garden classes, uh, we give a set of plants. All right. We'll go, we'll go through the list of these. And then I want to talk to you about other things going on this year in terms of phenology. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Over 8,000 chemicals are used to turn raw material into clothes, many of which are toxic to the environment, local water, and the workers who handle them. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Consumer demand for cheap, fast fashion has created clothing that is produced in third-world sweatshops by employees working in unsafe conditions for less than a fair wage. Here are some tips for having a more eco-friendly and conscious wardrobe. Buy organic cotton. Producing just one T-shirt made from traditionally grown cotton takes a whopping one-third pound of toxic pesticides. Reduce, reuse, and recycle. Rock the vintage green divas and dudes. Consignment is cool. Go vegan for accessories. Many designers are creating animal-friendly bags, belts, and shoes. I'm Green Diva Meg. Listen to over 500 Green Divas podcasts and learn lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, What to Do in the Garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. Future's so bright, I gotta wear shades to view my monarch butterfly. I walked out the door this morning, and there was a monarch on a coneflower. Um, all I know is that monarchs like coneflowers. They do, at least in my yard. And uh, I, I, I walked out and I said, uh, you know, you're, you're, say, you're saying I need 10 minutes. No, I don't have. I gotta, I, I gotta get to the radio station. No, 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 hang on. Stay there, monarch. I'll be back in about, oh, I don't know, about six hours, okay? Stay there. I need to take some photos. And that's the frustrating part is that you do need that time. Mm -hmm. You want to be a citizen scientist. You've got to uh, spend a little time, chill, Mm -hmm. you know. Even if it takes off, it'll be back. Get in the zone, so to speak. Uh, By the way, we have uh, Kayrie Havens and uh, Jennifer Schwartz in the studio from the Chicago Botanic Garden. They are with Project Bud Burst, and uh, we are are talking uh, about their latest uh, 
Project, which is the Native R's research project. If you don't know what a Native R is, you're going to have to go, have to go listen to the podcast because we decided or talked about it earlier. And basically what it is, it's a native plant that somebody's messed with and has created something else out of it. Usually, uh, I don't know if it's a good reason or not because brighter bloom, is that a good reason? I don't know. If it's uh, keeping powdery mildew off of it, is that a good reason? Well, maybe if you're a gardener, um, does nature care? Probably not. Um, it's just a lot of reasons why you do that. So you you view this all the time. I mean, you see people constantly changing plants. Mm-hmm. but and, and part of the mission of the Chicago Botanic Garden is obviously to try them out. And, we do. <laughs> yeah. And we also create them. We have a plant breeding program. So. Right. And and I and I have to admit that over the years, um, how, how shall I say this? I, and I don't mean to be critical. I think it's hard enough to grow natives without waiting for the latest greatest thing to to come out. It's hard to grow the 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 stuff that's already out there. I I'm not a guy who waits for the 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 news. I I don't know why we need an orange well, cone. You're not flower. watching the garden trends like some people are. I don't. It's that's not what's important to your gardening. It's, it's not. It's yeah. not at all. It's my in my yard. I want it healthy. Um, I I you know I'm hoping that uh, I don't have a lot of problems and I don't. And that's the other thing I've noticed over the years. I do not have infestations. I do not have explosions of disease. And I think it's basically because I'm pretty hands off. It's like you guys do what you're going to do. Yeah, I get aphids sometimes, and there's other things that have that have happened, but really not much. The equivalent of letting your kids play in the dirt, same thing. Well, yeah, they get exposed to stuff and survive. I, and 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 maybe I'm just lucky. I don't think so. I don't think that's the way it works. All right. So, so I was going to ask, how many when a citizen scientist comes in? A lot of people volunteer. Do they understand the what native versus native are, or is this something that you're finding is a lot of people aren't aware. I think a lot of people aren't aware. So I think people have gotten the message that native plants are good for pollinators. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the garden center and uh, they'll look for a coneflower. And instead of, you know, the straight species, they'll see one of these, you know, orange cultivars yeah. or bright red cultivars. And then they'll come to our plant information area and ask, you know, are they the same? And so um, many people are coming and asking this question. Uh, I've seen a lo- number of blogs in the last year asking mm-hmm. our n- native ours equivalent to natives. Um, it's a good question, though. I mean, for I'll, my classic example is bee balm. Mm-hmm. You know, Monarda, is yeah. is Monarda, Didyma, and the various cultivars of that. Is it is just the same as using bergamot in your garden? Right, and that's kind of the. I'm surprised I did that. You didn't use that as a plant. Is there a reason why you didn't go to uh, Monarda? We were trying to spread out bloom times um, mm-hmm. and also really focus on things that bloom um, in the spring and the fall so schools could participate. Ah. And so the only summer flowering plant we have is the black-eyed Susan. And, yeah. and okay. Mount Cuba is doing the Monarda, I think. They do have a Monarda yeah. trial. Oh, do they? Did yeah. they have a Monarda trial? Yeah. I didn't see that. But it's not part of Native Ours. Okay. Uh, had yeah, seen no, a, it's not on the list here. I, that's yeah, yeah I it's not like, on the list, but I had seen a, a lot about it on their website. So uh, in the, the spring trial, you have uh, in uh, Chicago and Mount Cuba, you've got uh, Columbine, Aquilegia, mm-hmm. Canadensis. Uh, you've got Achillea, Millifolium, uh, which is uh, yarrow, mm-hmm. common yarrow. Uh, and I can't even pronounce it. Cyan- Cyanithus? 
Is that... uh, that's out west. That's, that's out west. That's yeah, the San Diego. No, and I'm looking yeah. at out west. Yeah. Yeah. So, but these are all spring. Yeah. So in various parts uh, of the, and then you have yeah. Penstemon, mm-hmm. Digitalis, um, and uh, and uh, oh, and then you've got the blue Columbine mm-hmm. uh, at and, Denver, and you've got Heuchera, you've got uh, uh, California Buckthorn, and out here, you know, Buckthorn is pernicious, and so you got to <laughs> there's there's different kinds of Buckthorn people, uh, Salvia, Clevelandii, uh, and then summer plants are Black eyed Susan's Rudbeckia fulgita. And Rudbeckia herta. I'm growing some Rudbeckia herta. I'm, growing, you know, I got some of these plants going already. But you have very, you have varieties of. So you have the straight species, and then you ask them to plant either Viet's Little Susie or Goldsturm. Everybody has Goldsturm, okay? Right. Um, Little Gold Star, American Gold Rush, um, or in the uh, Rudbeckia herta, they might plant Cherry Brandy or Irish Eyes or Cherokee Sunset or Denver Daisy. Um, because that's uh, in the Denver Botanic Garden. So, and then in the fall, you've got New England asters uh, and winter aromatic asters. Yeah. So these are some of the plants that you'll be uh, working with if you decide to be a citizen scientist. And so, how long does a project like this take? Do you think? So this year, we're really asking people to get their plants in the ground and learn how to make pollinator observations. And then we'll be collecting data next summer and the following summer. So we'll have two years. And then we'll start to analyze that and work with the group of citizen scientists who've helped us and talk about conclusions and mm-hmm. what we might want to do next. And our, our friend Casey Tomato, who wrote who wrote an excellent we comment we talked about. Yeah, he's got a question here, but he wrote uh, – uh, we were talking about uh, hardiness zones. He said he's – and there's also cold zones and mm-hmm. now with all these different zones. But he says he's not a fan of zones – for the reason I mentioned uh, that it doesn't really reflect the climate, uh, the different parts, the different kinds of climate. It just re- reflects temperature. Now, he asked a question. Uh, he wants to know if uh, if I could read if, it. If, if you if, guys if, have looked at flower UV patterns or lack thereof affecting pollinator visits. You know, we haven't. And we got that question from one of our citizen scientists. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so... We hope to soon, but we haven't done it yet. So for people who might not understand the question. Right. So um, a lot of flowers have patterns on them, nectar Mm -hmm. guides that direct um, the bees and other pollinators to where the nectar is in the flower. And those can only be be seen under UV light. Okay. Uh, Before, I want to make sure we get this in because I want to go on to something a little bit different. But you have two more... Uh, 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 um, you know, where people get together and learn stuff. What's the word? Um, Workshop. Workshops. Thank you. Gosh, I'm so brain dead. Uh, And you've got one on Tuesday, August 14th and Saturday. Mm -hmm. Thank you for for paying attention to people who don't have regular daytime jobs. Thank you. Uh, So Tuesday, August 14th, Saturday, September 15th, both are from 10 a.m. to noon in the Plant Conservation Science Center, uh, at the Chicago Botanic Garden, so you can still get involved if you think this is something that you'd like to do. And what do you tell people that the time commitment's going to be? It's probably about an hour a week if you're looking at one group of plants. So if you're just doing the um, black-eyed Susans mm-hmm. or one of the asters, and that's only during the time that plant blooms. So it's about an hour a week for three or four weeks. Um, 
if you want, you can plant all five taxa mm-hmm. groups, and then you, you're, you'll let them be as ambitious as <laughs> yep, they want to be. Absolutely, and then they yeah. get hooked. <laughs> yeah, and they're there for life. Yep. Okay. Well, let's get back to some of the other stuff you're doing with Project Budburst, uh, and and again, folks should uh, check that out if 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 they want. Uh, it's budburst.org. Uh, one of the things you look at is when plants leaf out when they bloom. Been an interesting year, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's no um, surprise to anyone who gardens, but we had a really late spring this year, and things were blooming much later than normal. And, then, and, and can I ask the 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 range of that? Did you, I know you? It wasn't just in this, you know, Wisconsin and Illinois. It was across the northern tier of the United States, wasn't it? It was, and um, so <laughs> we were about a month late. Some and for some species, even longer, six weeks late. Uh, but then, um, then as it warmed up, things got compressed, and so you saw ah. overlap between things blooming that never would. Overlap. I did, yeah. I saw Normally. things at the same time. For instance, my daffodils and my tulips were blooming together. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, that's kind of cool. I yeah. like that because <laughs> uh, that doesn't often happen. Right. Uh, now, how did this mess with the with uh, the insects and other critters out there? I mean, because the timing was really off. Because some, some uh, animals respond to daylight, some respond to temperature. Mm-hmm. And they have to kind of match for them to have optimum. Right. So things that respond to temperature, the the insects um, were also delayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those who are cued to migrate into our region by day length, they came the same time they always came. And they might not have found the plant they like mm-hmm. to use when they arrive um, in bloom yet. Yeah. And what are the consequences of that? Well, um, not good for the animals. Uh, obviously. <laughs> um, obviously. Lack yeah. of food, la- lack of resources for um, larvae, uh, lack of food for birds then. So there can be a kind of cascade of consequences. If if the insects don't do well, the birds that rely on those insects don't do well. And, we, and, we, were, oh, go ahead. we were talking to a lot of birders this spring saying that the bird watching was in the lower portion of the canopy instead of way up because the the trees hadn't leafed out, and the insects were all very low right. this spring. Um, I'm just a, a casual bird watcher, but for the first time, I could see a lot of things that I never see yeah. because the leaves weren't out. Yeah, it, it was very, very interesting. And again, these are the kinds of things that you guys observe every year. And some of it is climate change. We're going to be talking to our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio, now in a second. Uh, as he points out, you got to be really careful of like when you say, is this climate change or is it just weather pattern for this year that was different? Sometimes they're connected mm-hmm. and there's really no exact answer to this right now. We don't we do know the climate is changing. So as we see more of these events, we will be able to connect those dots. Right. So just more and more weird years ahead. Well, that's Kay Havens. Thank you so much for coming down. It's so good to see you, you again. I, uh, we we got to stop meeting like this once every 10 years, you know? Uh, and uh, Jennifer Schwartz-Ballard, uh, and they're from Project Budburst. You can go to chicagobotanic.org. You can go to budburst.org. You can go to mikenovak.net. All of that stuff. Become a citizen science. We need it. Rick DeMaio, meteorologist, next.
From Wisconsin to Indiana, from Lake Michigan to St. Charles, see some of the best gardens, ponds, and koi in the area on the Midwest Pond and Koi Society Annual Garden and Pond Tour, July 21st and 22nd and 28th and 29th. Get your maps for the self-guided tour at mpks.org and at local businesses throughout Chicagoland. It's only $15, and tour hours are 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on each day. Get inspiration for your own garden and pond. Go to mpks.org. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. What is this, anyhow? This is your talk. This is America, Jack. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Before we go to meteorologist Rick DeMaio, uh, Jennifer uh, had some information. She wants to let people know where you can get some of these native plants, right? That's right. So we'd love for all of you to join us and to participate in the Budbers Native Ours Project. You can find a lot of the cultivars at many different nurseries. You might need to go to a specialized native plant nursery for some of the traditional wild types. But in the Chicago region, we're partnering with two retail nurseries. We're partnering with Lurvies in Des Plaines and with uh, Gethsemane in Andersonville in the city. Okay. So. And, and earlier uh, in the year, uh, as part of the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards, I did a thing on Channel 7, and I, was, I uh, went out to Midwest Ground Covers and the Natural Garden Natives. Um, and the, uh, you can go to Natural Garden Natives and get a lot of native plants mm-hmm. there. So that's a place to look. And, of course, our friend Nick Fuller at Natural mm-hmm. Communities Native. Everybody's nodding. Everybody knows Nick Fuller. I'm so <laughs> – yep. I think it's a ding. He's the coolest guy. He's trying to spread the gospel of native plants to the average gardener, which is – you know, it, it's been hard because uh, a lot of these places sell wholesale, mm-hmm. and Nick's trying to get people to buy them retail. And there'll be a few native plant – 
fall sales. And that's mm-hmm. why we love having him as a sponsor mm-hmm. on this show. We're always yeah. doing it. And we're in sort of a hiatus. Hi- well, boy. He'll probably start taking orders in August or so. I would uh, yeah, and ramping up for the fall. So this, there's there are places you can get native plants now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not like it was 20 years ago. It was really tough. It's getting better and better and better. I think, unfortunately, I wish some of the uh, independent garden centers would do a better job of it. I think the problem, what they do now is they mix in the natives with some of the others, and you can't tell the difference, mm-hmm. and it confuses people. I think they need to make a stronger pitch for native plants, but that's me, I, and I don't run those garden centers, but I'm just I'm just saying that. All right, Rick DeMaio is here, and Rick, you need to know these people in the room, Kay Havens. Um, and uh, Jennifer Schwartz-Ballard, because they deal with the stuff you talk about all the time, which is how weather patterns change in the spring, and it affects the plants and animals. Uh, And and Kay was just talking about how the slow spring was really remarkable in the Chicago area. (laughs) Yeah, and then then we all of a sudden, we, we turned off the faucet, didn't we? Yeah, we had all that, that, that rain, and now... We're in, entering a dry spell, aren't we? Yeah, I, I think we're we're going to probably um, come out of it from a standpoint of getting some localized heavy rain tomorrow as two different frontal systems come through, and they're both going to be um, kind of slow moving. Matter of fact, yesterday we had uh, a couple of different rounds of thunderstorms. The first one was kind of a byproduct of this weak system that moved out of Iowa that produced some very, very heavy heavy rainfall out there. That's the part of the country where they don't need it. Uh, But the part of the country where we do need it is parts of northern Missouri where they are in a drought, Mike. Uh, But the difference between a dry spell and a drought is all about whether or not it comes during the sunniest and hottest time of the year. And, boy, it was really amazing to see us go through the first 14 days of the month of July with literally less than a quarter of inch rain across parts of northern Illinois. And it's amazing how quickly... Uh, the grass dries up, and anything that you may have yeah. had in potted plants probably shriveled up as well. Well, I w- uh, you sent us yesterday information about how we had probably lost four inches of soil moisture, which I don't right. think people really realize how fast it can go away. And as you pointed out, the deeper-rooted plants are fine because there's we got a lot of rain this spring, but closer to the surface, you're going to have problems. And, and folks don't. They don't pay attention to that. They think, well, we had all this rain in the spring. What's the problem? Uh, well, the problem is we, well, ha- well, and, we didn't have it now. Right. And and also what happens is you'll get people that'll, you know, you'll go out and spend 200 bucks on these, you know, on these annuals. And you may put them down about, say, an inch and a half to two inches in your big potted plant. And you water them like crazy and they look great. And then you go on way of vacation. And then you may tell the kid around the corner <laughs> to make sure to turn on you know, maybe you turn on the uh, the the sprinkler on the lawn, or, or you don't have anybody doing your plants, and you come back, and next thing you know, two hundred dollars later, you're 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 out, uh, and that <laughs> happens a lot. So it's that combination. You don't have to be really hot uh, as long as the sun is out. This time of the year, you can literally evaporate about a third of an inch of moisture, um, uh, particularly off the top two inches of water. But it's amazing, Mike. I was up in Wisconsin yesterday, and Peg as well. Um, how well the corn is doing. And, of course, these roots are all the way down. Mm-hmm. Easily at this point, probably a good solid five, six inches with the soil moisture uh, is rated good to excellent. Uh, and, again, even though we're going to get some rain that will come through the area during the day tomorrow, we actually go back into a dry, uh, dry spell for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The good thing 
is that if you are going away on vacation, you're worried about the sunny, hot, humid weather, uh, nothing like that on the horizon for probably the next 10 to 14 days. We actually go back into a cooler pattern. Yay. Uh, again, that'll Turn begin the during the day off. on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I like I like that. Uh, we don't have a lot of time to address this, but one of the things I was talking to Kay about was the abnormal spring uh, and I'm and, and and I can't get you started on this because you'll go for an hour. But um, <laughs> and, and I mean that in a good way. Uh, how do you connect that to climate change or do you not at all? I think the only thing you can connect with climate change is these fantastic periods of heavy rain that we've had uh, throughout the, the course of the year. And part of that is due to warmer temperatures, not only in the Pacific Ocean, uh, but also in the Gulf of Mexico. I don't think we've gotten below 70 degrees in parts of the, of the Gulf. And even in areas of northern Wisconsin and Minnesota, when you do get these rain events, you're not getting two to three inches. You're getting four to six inches of rain. So the parts of the upper Midwest have gotten amazing amounts of rain. But as those systems generally tend to pass over the same area over and over again, that's when you get into the flooding. So that's one of the things that we've definitely seen with the changing climate is not so much you know, wild weather's patterns, but much more localized, uh, catastrophic and damaging events. Yeah, and that's sort of what has been predicted for this part of the country as our climate continues to change. Is, uh, but I, I, have, I have a real quick question, because I know there's sure. a lot of experts in the room. If, if your community sprays for mosquitoes, how does that impact lightning bugs? That's a good question. And uh, I don't know the answer. The well, it, I, you know what? That's something we're going to find out, Rick. That is something. Yeah, uh, because I, I know Evanston was spraying for for um, uh, mosquitoes, and you know, by all means, we need it because there's been horrible mosquitoes. But it seems that the lightning bugs aren't around as much. So I'd like to know if that hmm. has an impact. And well, part, it, and if it, if it is affecting the lightning bugs, go someplace, get lightning bugs, and bring them back because I love seeing them. They are <laughs> wonderful. You know what you need for lightning bugs? Darkness. We don't have a lot of darkness anymore. And uh, that's why I, I don't have any lights in my yard and, and I can see lightning bugs and, yeah, and I love I've, doing that. But, you know, there is collateral, collateral damage with mosquito spraying. We've talked about it on mm-hmm. the show before. Uh, and whether it affects lightning bugs is something uh, that uh, we need to look into. And I'm sure that we'll get a tweet right when we're off the air it said yes or no or whatever and but we'll 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 talk about it because the least effective way of controlling mosquitoes is to spray them when they're adults so anyway give us a quick uh, forecast here rick yeah okay so um sunshine today little boundary kind of moves through overnight i think it's going to focus the thunderstorms in the south of us so chances of rain today probably less than 10 percent, but a very good chance of thunderstorms during the day on monday Temperatures today, mid to upper 80s tomorrow, low 80s, uh, and then cooler, near 80 for Tuesday, Wednesday, and another chance of thunderstorms the other day on Thursday. But overall, the next 10 to 14 days, near to below normal temperatures and near to above normal precipitation. Awesome. All right. Mr. DeMaio, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great day, Pega Mike. All you right. Too. You too. I want to thank everybody on the show today, uh, Lori Lewis from the Sheffield Music Festival and Garden Walk, Kay Havens and Jennifer Schwartz-Ballard uh, from uh, Project Budverse at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Uh, Rick DeMaio, Ellie, Ben Boquist, a Ben Boquist sighting. Until next time, go green or... Go home. Uh, Stadler? Yeah, uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. 